0: hope everyone's doing well today. Everybody doing good? Yep. Good. Good, good, good. Listen, I want to uh, welcome you uh, to Real Church. I want to uh, just go quickly back over what we've talked about up until this point in the series. Um, we are in a series called The Me, I Want to Be. And um, I want to I wanna go over those things. Andy, can we bring the lights up just a little bit more? Lynn has the flu. And so... Uh, we've got a ragtag bunch of crew. I'm leading it, actually, which will let you know why it's ragtag. So, we bring the lights up a little bit more on the sides, too. On the sides. Lord, we pray more light. All right. All right, good. That's good. Thank you, Andy. So, what I, was, uh, what I wanted to talk to you guys about is the series we've been going through. It's called The Me I Want to Be. And here's what the series, the whole goal of the series is this. Is for you, for you to recognize who it is that God had in mind when he created you. That's what I want. I want you to live a life where it says you recognize who it is that God had in mind. When He created you, I know a lot of us may not think about that, but here's the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is, is that when God fashioned you, the Scripture says that He fashioned us in the womb. When God began to create us, He didn't just create you generically. All right, it's the reason why some of you men here have beautiful flowing locks of hair, and I have none. All right, because He knew that some heads needed hair because they were so ugly, and some heads could just go without. Amen. Thanks for the amen. Um, So, right, Elijah? Right, Dan? Okay, great. Um, But no, we were created uh, individually. And so when God was creating you, I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but God had something in mind when he was creating you. And our goal, our goal should be to find out what it is that God had in mind when he was creating us. I talked about how a lot of times we have counterfeit versions of ourselves, and this is when what we do is we actually begin to act for someone else. We begin to act the way our mom and dad may have told us we should have as far as, oh, you don't need to do that. You need to do this and on and on. But here's the truth of the matter. You only only will understand who it is that God had in mind when he created you when you connect with God. It's not what someone else says you are. It's not what It's not what, you know, a friend says you are. Those are all counterfeit versions. Who you are, who you are, is who God says you are. And you and him, that is a relationship that you have to connect with because until you connect with God, you will not know. You won't know which one and who it is that God had in mind when he created you. And so, and the cool thing about this is, is it all flows right with our gifts, And you and I both know, and the reason the series is called The Me I Want to Be is because you know deep down who that is. I knew deep down from the moment, really from the time I was 16 and I wasn't even saved, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I knew I wanted to do that. Now, I didn't realize that God had another whole thing in mind. I didn't realize that God wanted me to be a teacher too. He just didn't necessarily want me to teach history. He wanted me to teach the Word. And I didn't realize that until later on in my life but I knew deep down who it is, and you have that person too. You know you do. I don't know who that person is. I don't know whether or not you're living that life, but you do have that life, and you do know who that person is. And right now, as I sit here today, you know if you are living up to who that is. You know you have to look yourself in the mirror every day, and you know if you're living up to who that is. You know if you're maxing out and fulfilling who it is that God had in mind when he created you. You know if you're becoming the me ...you want to be. And you know when you fall short of that. You know, and and God knows. We have to, though, begin the journey. And I talked about beginning the journey... ...about how Holy Spirit plays a huge part in this... ...and how we have to literally jump off into this river... ...that I I just uh, described it as a river... Where we jump off, I told you guys I love lazy rivers where you jump in and you just lay back and relax and you go throughout. There's one in Destin, Florida where they've got two lazy rivers. The front lazy river is one uh, where the only shock you get is there's a huge bucket. Has anybody ever been to uh, the lazy river in Destin where they have this huge bucket and it's ice cold water? And so you have to time it when you're coming around the lazy river because the water will flip over on you, ice cold water, and that's no fun. And so, but they have another Lazy River in the back. And the first time I went to the water park, I didn't even know there was another, another, another Lazy River in the back, but there was. And I went back to the back the next time I went. And this Lazy River, when you're going around the Lazy River, there's one area where it goes, whoosh, and all of a sudden waves start coming around. And it makes it a lot more fun. And that's a lot of times, listen, that's how our life is too. We can be traveling along and we can be meandering along and all of a sudden, whoosh, and a wave will come. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today as well. But we have to be willing to get in the water. We have to be willing to get in the water. We have to be willing to let Holy Spirit guide our life. The next thing I talked about is renewing our minds. And we talked about how we need to renew our minds. We also talked about how whenever God created us, right before, right before he was finished, he took a small little part. He took a God-shaped hole, a small little part. And he kept it for himself. And we don't find out fully who we are meant to be until we go back to him, connect with him, and understand fully who who he has in mind when he created us. That's what our goal is. I talked about being intentional. And I also talked about deepening your relationships. And today, I want to talk to you about a topic that we're coming close to wrapping up the series. I want to talk about a topic that a lot of you guys may not like. The topic I want to talk to you about today is the value of Risk, The value of risk. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua in chapter 1. The value of risk. The value of risk. And before we read this, I want to set the stage for you. I want to set this stage for you. In Joshua chapter 1. I hope everybody's got their Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. This is the stage. Before we read it, I want to tell you what's going on. Here's what's going on. We know, we know that there were two, two of the spies that came back from, they were in, they were in the desert and there were, two spy, there, were, there were spies that went over, but only two came back and said, yes, we can take the land. The rest of the spies said, no, they're too big, they're giants, we can't do it. And so, God became, uh, he, he got kind of ticked off at them because they didn't trust him. Uh, and eventually, situations happened where they had to stay in the desert for the whole, for literally a whole generation, which was around 40 years. They had to stay in this desert. And so, the time had come where, where that generation began to die off until finally we see that Moses, Moses himself, who was the one that led the people out of captivity, Moses himself has actually died. And so, The Israelite people are in a time of mourning when Joshua opens up. When the scripture opens up, they're in a time of mourning. But that's not the only thing. You have to know more about the text to know this. Also, they are right up by the river that they have to go and cross over in order to go into the promised land. And they are bumped up against the river. And here's the thing that you may not know. It was during the flood season. So there was water everywhere. Water was everywhere. So you have the people encamped. They're all mourning the death of their leader. Joshua has taken over and has become leader. And they're sitting and the floodwaters are rising and rising and rising. You ever felt that way in your life? The floodwaters are rising and rising and rising? I know I have. And so with that in mind, let's see what the scripture says. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River and into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including the hills of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. And then God says this, Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. And then it says this. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then... You will prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Who were the two spies that came back and said that we can do this? Well, it was Joshua. And it was Caleb. Whose two families are going to be leading the people into the promised land? Well, it was Joshua and it was Caleb. And if you go on and read the chapter, which I encourage you to do, what you find is this. You find that he said this. He told the whole people. He said, listen, I've gotten a word from God. It's time to move over into the promised land. And he told everyone to prepare themselves. And then we see the whole scene, the whole scene play out. Where those where, where the priests would would walk before, and everywhere they stepped, their foot would become their land. And we watched as they faithfully, even though they were in mourning, even though they were even though they were all very sad, even though they had lost their leader, they still walked forward. They stepped one foot after another, one foot after another, scared, having no idea what was going to go on, having no idea what they would experience. Yet they took one foot in front of the other, in front of the other, in front of the other. Be strong and courageous. Can I tell you guys something about our lives? Most of us are taught to avoid risk. Most of us are taught to avoid risk. I want you to know that the majority of us were not taught, or we were not born we were not born to avoid risk. I want you to know that. You know how I know that? I know that because if left to his devices, my son would have jumped, climbed up a tree and jumped out. I know he would have. He would have. We are not born, we are not born to avoid risk. We are taught to avoid risk. Now some of our personalities are different, but for the most part, we are born to take risk. We are born to experience challenges. But over time, what we do is, is we listen to this person or that person or this person or that person. And we end up we end up being people that settle and that we never experience who it is that God had in mind when he created us. It was so funny. When we first planted the church over at East Coweta High School, uh, there was a family that came to visit. And I had I'd expected them to come visit, and they came to visit. And they have two boys, and I love this family because they let their boys be boys, 1,000%. The shirees let their boys be boys, okay? And so they came in the first Sunday, and Grady was here. Grady is right here. Grady, you want to raise your hand? He's right here, Grady. Hey, Grady. I, told him, I, asked him this, I asked him this week. I asked his dad and mom. I didn't ask him. He's probably going, you didn't ask me, bro. I asked his dad and mom. I asked his dad and mom if I could use him as an example. But Grady, Grady was, uh, he came in to the church to visit for the first time. And they have another small son too. And they, both here they all. They come walking in the beautiful family, and um, and Grady, um, Grady has got blood flowing from his knee, both of his knees and both of his elbows. And so our children's pastor looked at him and said, "Hey, we need to get a first aid kit." <laughs> and so we went and got a first aid kit. And and you know, my first thought was was as soon as I after the service is over, I'm going to call Defacts. But um, I. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to call D-facts. Uh, I, it was funny because I, uh, I said, Hey, uh, you guys know his knees and elbows are bleeding? And his dad looked at me and said, You know why they're bleeding? I said, Why is that? He said, I told him to stay out of that tree before church. And somebody else can get him a band-aid, but I'm a, I told him to stay out of that tree. But here's the truth. You can't keep Grady out of the tree. I asked him this week if I could share that story, and they said, Yeah. And then his dad sent me a picture of them, him way up in a tree, firing a Nerf gun at someone else. bam Wabam! bam. You know what I mean? You can't do that. Adventurers, risk-takers, what happened to us? That's my question. What happened to you and to me? That's my question. Now, obviously, we want to protect our children, and obviously, we want to protect ourselves from physical harm. But the truth of the matter is, is that most of us, get told over and over and over again that we do not need to take risk. Here's what we're told. We're told that our goal is is to find a job, to get married, to have kids, and then to begin the day-to-day, the day in and day out and day in and day out. And that's what everyone defines as life. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with any of that. There's nothing wrong with having kids. There's nothing wrong with with getting married. There's nothing wrong with getting a great job. As a matter of fact, those things are kind of expected. Those are expectations. And if you're going to get married and have kids, you better have a job. Are you with me? Those things are great. Going and being responsible at work, God calls you to do that. But what a lot of us do is this. A lot of us fall into that routine, and we never, we never experience, we never fully experience who God had in mind when he created us. We never get there because we're fearful of taking risk. What we do is is we stay in a job that we absolutely hate, that we were never created to do, and we stay in a job that just provides money but doesn't provide fulfillment. Now listen, some of us have to work jobs to get from A to B, right? Some of us have to work jobs, but I'm going to encourage you to do something if you're not listen there's not a day that i wake up and there have been in the past but there's not a day that i wake up where i'm like gosh i gotta go to work i don't i don't have that anymore i used to i used to have that but i don't have that anymore i don't why is that well i feel like i'm fully maximizing who god had in mind when he created me and i'm fully able to do that when i do that it doesn't feel as much like a job now every job has stressors and every job has issues but here's the truth i am fulfilled at what i do God wants me to be fulfilled at what I do. My question is, are you fulfilled at what you do? Are you fulfilled in, in your role right now? And here's the thing that you and I both know you're the one that has to look yourself in the mirror every morning. You know, you know whether or not and how you answer that question. I don't know. You know how you would answer that question. Our goal for a lot of us is to do those things, to get married and to have a job. And that that seems to be what our goal is. But here's the truth of the matter. That's not our goal. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your goal is to become who God had in mind when he created you. And the reason that's your goal is because if that's your goal, then you will be used 100% for God's glory In his kingdom. I want you to hear me. For his glory. Do you have any idea how many people, do you have any idea how many people never fulfill what they had in mind because they've accepted a role or a position or something? Do you have any idea? Do you have any idea how many people settle and what a lot of us do, and I don't want to step on everybody's toes here, but what a lot of us do is this. We think that we'll be happy if we get a bigger house and a nicer car and on and on and on. And our kids will do great if they have this or that or this or that. And the truth of the matter is, is that our first role is to be parents. That's our first role. Our first role is, remember, who is the, who is the enemy going to attack first in every situation? The family. It's always The family. And remember, the enemy will take something that's good and twist it and make it be something that's not good anymore. He'll take, like he did God's word. You know, whenever he was with Jesus, he was saying, oh, but the word of God says this. And he's twisted it just a little bit to make it something that's negative. And he does the same thing to you and to me. There's nothing wrong with having a job. There's nothing wrong with, and please, when you leave here, don't go to lunch and say, well, the preacher told me to quit my job. All right. Uh, listen, you've got to be wise about it too. You've got to be wise about it, but make a plan and walk out who it is that God had in mind when he created you. Oftentimes, we don't maximize who we are and who God wants us to be because we've settled for something that is less than God's best for us. Our goal is to become who God had in mind when he created us. And here's the second part that I want you to get. We won't have that until we grow and we grow. And we won't grow until we move away from the familiar and the comfortable. Now, most of us like to be around people that are familiar with us. I have to tell people all the time here, hey, I know you love all your buddies here. I know you do. But when we have visitors, I want you to greet them too. Because guess what? They may love all your buddies too eventually. That's what we want. But listen, we will not grow until we move away from the familiar and the comfortable. I'm very proud of my brother Jeff. My brother Jeff was uh, was. I tell people this, and I'm not bragging about this because I'm bragging on him. But my brother Jeff was a very successful CFO. He was the CFO of O'Charlie's Corporation, and then he went and he was a CFO of an oil company in Nashville, and he's very successful. But recently, he's always told me, he said, listen, I really just want to be in ministry, Barry. That's all I want to do. I just want to be in ministry. And he thought that him being in ministry was going to be this. He thought he was going to work until he was 60, 62, and then he was going to retire, and he was going to go volunteer for a large church and be the executive pastor. He's got that, he's got, he, he loves numbers, he loves... All, he's really good at that. I mean, just, just leave it at that. He's really good at business. And he thought that was going to be his ministry, but God had other plans, see. Because unbeknownst to him, someone had given his name to, to a, a, a guy. And one day he's sitting in his office and he said, got a phone call, and hey, I'm so-and-so. And, uh, and Dave Ramsey told me to call you uh, and to see if you'd like to come interview for a position. And he began to talk to him, and he, and he talked more. And over a three or four-month period, my brother began to realize that his ministry is not going to be when he's 62, 63. His ministry is going to start right now. And so he got out of his comfort. It was very uncomfortable for him. It was very uncomfortable. He knew he could have stayed in the role he had for years and years and years and just went right along. And he struggled with it and it's really funny because he called me myself my other brother and my mom and my mom said no way don't take that position don't you dare do it she's probably listening this morning you're wrong mom anyway she's like she's like don't you take that position and my brother Jimmy was like man don't you do that man you've got everything guaranteed all that money's guaranteed everything you've got everything you're set and he was set you're set and then he called me and i said bro you got to go for it man you got to take that job you got to take that job so he listened to wisdom and he took the job. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. But he, he did. He took the job. And it was rough the first month or so. And I said, well, how was it? Because, man, I'm just learning everything. It's a whole new different area. It's a whole different ball game. You know, I, for those who don't know, Ramsey Solutions has over 900 employees. Uh, it's a massive, massive thing up in Nashville. It's the number one place to work in Tennessee, which is incredible. But he ended up now, and what he's doing is, is he's getting fulfillment. And I asked him, I said, Jeff, I said, listen, uh, this is what I asked him I said, "Do you want to hot gas and cigarettes and vapes all your life? you know what I'm saying with the gas company you know he worked for a gas oil company they sold gasoline and convenience to, to convenience stores. I said, "Do you want to hot gas all your life or do you want to make an impact in people's lives and help people change their life by getting out of debt? Which one would you you know, which one do you want to do? And he had to realize you know what the fulfillment is there now here's the cool part about the whole thing. He didn't really go down in finances. God bless him enough where he's like, nope. That's going to be around the same too, and he's thankful for that. We have to get out of our familiar and our comfort. It's amazing because every person that God has used in the Bible, if you look at their lives, they had to get out of their familiar and their comfort. They did. They had to get out of their familiar and comfort. He told Abraham. He said, "Nope, you're going to go to this land." Can you imagine Abraham's talk with his wife? Hey, honey, God's told us to move. Where are we going? I don't know, but pack up everything. Let's roll. Uh, That would not go over well at 360 Walden Pond. It would not. But we're going. Let's go. What about David? David was in a field. He was doing fine. He was expert at what he did. Young boy, 13, 14, 15 years old. No, you're not going to do that. You're going to come and you're going to be the next king. And oh, by the way, between the age of 15 and 16 to 30, you're going to have a situation where eventually the king is going to get so ticked off at you that he's going to try to kill you. But don't touch him, don't, you know, don't, don't, don't do anything bad to him. I'll protect you. Oh yeah, you're going to be on the run too, so that's fine. Yeah, You're going to help him as much as you can, but then you're going to be on the run. And you'll not have an opportunity to kill him, but you're not going to do it. Oh Peter, by the way, listen, uh, I'm going to come to you uh, at night, uh, and, and you're going to tell me to tell you come to me, and I'm going to tell you to come to me, and then you're going to step out of a boat onto water. And as long as you keep your eyes on me, you're not going to sink. You think God wants to put people out of their comfort zone? Do You think he wants to put people out of the unknown? If all you ever do is do what you know and in your comfort, you're going to continue to get the same thing you've always gotten. That's what you're going to get. There's a story in the scripture about Caleb. I don't want to leave him out. Joshua was the one that led the people. But Caleb Caleb had a huge part in it too. And so in Joshua chapter 14. Turn over to Joshua chapter 14 briefly. And I think we do have the scripture up here. For Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14. Starting in verse 7. So Caleb. Caleb is talking. He's crying out to God. Now at this point. Caleb is 85 years old. I want you to hear that. He's 85. He said this, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Cana. So he was saying I was 40 years old when I was one of those spies that went out. I returned and gave the honest report, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day, Moses solemnly promised me the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that your, uh, of your descendants forever, because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord your God. Now, as you can see, the Lord kept me alive as well as he promised for all these 45 years. 40 plus 45 is 85. Since Moses made this promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I am 85 years old. I am strong as now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You remember that as scouts we found the descendants of Anak living in their their great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I'll drive them out of the land, just as the Lord said. He's 85 years old. You know what he says? He says, I don't want to be comfortable. I don't want to, you know, have my cup of coffee on the front porch every morning. Here's what I want to do. I want to take the land that was promised me way back 45 years ago. And I don't care if they do have walled cities. I don't care if they are fortified. If God said it'll happen, it'll happen. I'll get out of my own. I don't want the known. I've been sitting around in the desert long enough. I want the land that God has for me. And the question I have for you is do you want what God has for you? Do you? Do you? If you do, you have to get out and move away from the familiar and the comfortable. Listen, you guys, I was very happy in Tennessee, everybody there was normal. I was very happy in Tennessee. It's funny, I went back to Tennessee for camp last summer, and I text Wendy, and I said, I miss Tennessee. She said, I know you do. I said, people here are different. She goes, yeah, I know they are. She never said she missed Tennessee. She said, I, I, said, I miss Tennessee. But, but I was very comfortable there, very comfortable, off in the summers, you know, great job, off in the summers, enjoying life, whatever. But I had to get out of the familiar and the comfortable. And I came down here and I met all you crazy wackos. How about that? Isn't that fun? I met all you guys. And now you're my family. Dysfunctional, but you are my family. It's good stuff. We had to learn to trust God. Can I tell you guys a little secret? It is so fun to step out and to rely 100% on God. It is. It is so fun to do that. It is. And I know people think I'm crazy when I say that. All you have to do is experience it one time and realize that you don't have to do everything on your own and you don't have to you don't have to be, you know, the super Christian. You don't have to be that he has you in the palm of his hand. It is so fun to step out and to trust God. It's so fun to experience that. It's so fun to experience what he has for us. But here's the problem. A lot of us say that we want a problem-free life. My goal is to have a problem-free life. My question to you is, do you really? Do you really want a problem-free life? Do you really want a problem-free life? Think about it. When have you grown the most spiritually? When have you trusted God the most? When have you become closer to your family? When have you become closer to your friends? When have you dug down deep the most? A problem filled life is boring. It's boring. It's mundane. I want to try and take some risk. And I've decided if I'm going to fail, I'm just going to fail big. You know, someone asked me, someone said, hey, And it never really even occurred to me. They were like, hey, what if the church doesn't work? I'm like, I don't know. They were like, well, why would you quit your job and just jump out? And I said, well, look, man, you know, if I jump in the lake, if it's over eight feet, it doesn't matter matter if it's eight feet or 80 feet, I'm still going to drown. So if I'm going to jump in the water, it doesn't matter how deep it is. Let's go for it. That's what I told them. And I think for some of you guys, that may be what God's telling you as well. Which is better, sitting in the desert, sitting in captivity in Egypt, or marching around that that, uh, city and watching those walls fall? Which is better, sitting in the desert, sitting in captivity in Egypt, or standing there saying, God, I believe that you're going to give me this land that you promised me 45 years ago. Which is better, going into battle, taking a mountain, capturing a city, Helping someone else. Counseling someone else. Living a life that's fulfilled. Which is better? Having what you've always had. Or experiencing something new. I think that's where God is found. He's found in the risk. There's value in risk. And if you're ever going to become the me I want to be, you have to know that there's going to be risk. You know the biggest risk you can take? The biggest risk you can take, and truthfully, there's no risk at all, but the biggest risk you can take is to surrender your life fully to Christ. That's the biggest risk from the outside people think you can take. Now, I'm not talking about coming down here and saying, I want to be a Christian and saying a few words and then leaving and then going back and acting the way you've always acted. I'm talking about fully surrendering your life to Christ. I mean, fully, God, you have it 1000% and leaving it there. When you have that, when you do that, that's a risk. Have you ever trusted? Have you ever taken that step? Have you guys ever done that? One of my favorite movies is Raiders of the Lost Ark. And there's a video of, I should have pulled it up, but I didn't. There's a video of, of, of um, Harrison, Harrison Ford. He's, he's, he's standing and he has to take the step off of the cliff. And it looks like it's downhill. And what you see is, is that when he takes the step, that there's a bridge there that's invisible that you can't see with the eye. But when they look another way, you can see the bridge. And he walks across. And that's kind of how God is with us. Do you know if those people sitting there on that shore with the waters coming up and the morning they were doing, if they had never stepped one foot into the Jordan, do you know they would have never, ever gotten to their promised land? They wouldn't. you got to take the first step. you got to take the first step. Spiritual growth, you guys, requires risk. I want to encourage you to take it today. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for the fact that taking risk with you is no risk at all once we do it a few times. It goes from being risk to just being something that we do. Something and someone that we are. And so, God, I pray that you would allow us to remember and to look back at the times when we thought we were in control, but in the end, you showed us that it was you. You were in control. Lord, my prayer is is that everyone here would experience you and experience you in a way that they know they can trust you enough to take risk. I pray that you would put it on people's hearts to say, you know what, I'm not fulfilled anymore and I, I don't believe I'm doing what God's will is anymore. I, I, want, I want to make a change. Lord, I just pray that you would allow them to take that bold first step and to experience just how fun it is to trust you. As they do, Lord, I know that once they see that they can trust you, They won't take credit for it, and we won't take credit for it, and we'll give you the glory, honor, and praise is what we'll do. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not sure where anyone here is spiritually. I can tell you this. I don't ever want to live another day where I am unfulfilled in my walk with Christ. If that means be uncomfortable, then that's what I want to be. If that means you know go out of my comfort zone and and take a risk, then that's what I want to do. I want to encourage you to live that same life, too. Maybe you're here today and something's on your heart. I'm down here. I'd love to pray with you. Maybe you guys, uh, maybe you said, you know what? I, I've kind of dilly-dallied around, but I've never really trusted God. I'm down here. I'd love to pray with you. We have people all around the room here that will walk down here with you and pray at the altar. There's nothing magical about this altar, all right? There's nothing magical about it. What is amazing is how God moves when his people come together and pray over one another. Let's stand up and let's sing our final worship song.